0: Air Force veteran Robert Owen is the fittest 66-year-old in the world. Coming up next I'm Veteran on the Move.
1: Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane.
0: Navy Federal likes to show their appreciation on Veterans Day by saying thank you to veterans in a meaningful way. They're inspired by their member's service. If you're a veteran who would like to join a credit union that puts you and your needs first, visit NavyFederal.org slash veterans or check out hashtag gratitude mission. Hey, today we're talking with Air Force veteran Robert Hamilton Owen, um, PJ pararescue man. Robert's a speaker, author of the book Beyond Average. Um, athlete, known as coined the fittest and mentally toughest 66 year old in the world. So Robert, thanks for being here today. We got some great things to talk about. Take us back a l- just a little ways and tell us what it was you were doing in the Air Force.
1: You know, I I went in um, at, and wanted to be a special ops, so I became a pararescueman back in the 70s, and uh, it was the best thing ever happened in my life. You know, I I grew up, I matured they kicked my butt and I learned how to become a leader and stop being a punk. And, uh, my parents were re- very pleased <laughs> that I had a change of life style. And, uh, it was anyway, the, the best thing that happened to me. And then I got out and, uh, people began to say, you know, what did you do? And I, I say, well, I was a paramedic, but, um, I used to train guys and they'd say, do you still train people? I mean, how do you train them? And I'd say, ah, who do you want me to train? What's the topic? Yeah, And so little bit by little, you know, I'll come over and talk to a staff of people for five people, you know, and that was 10 people. Then it was 50 people. You know, have you ever talked to a hundred before? Sure. You know, and pretty soon I found myself doing leadership and management consulting amongst other things. I did that for about 30 years in about 30 nations. And so um, it's things that we as military guys take for granted but the world is really looking for how did you do what you do or how did, how, how did you build morale or how did you uh, cause morale to, to grow in a bad situation or, you know, all the things that we get trained that no one really asks us about. But when we get on the outside, we can apply that in any job that we're at, that we've got training and insights and disciplines, um, maybe some social skills, read people differently, that they'll pay, they'll pay money for. So I did that off and on for the next 30 years, and um, it was wonderful. You know, just all around the world, Russia, China, Africa, uh, getting to speak to different kinds of groups on leadership, management, Mm -hmm. character growth, that kind of stuff.
0: Now, you were telling me earlier before we started that at the end of all that, you had an interesting experience where you lived with your aging father for 10 years and what that ended up doing to you and how it transformed you into something else.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, all of us have our parents, and and, uh, my mom died at 90, uh, 90, and my dad was 91. And they have been married 65 years. And I said to my dad, hey, what do you want to do? He says, I want to die at home. And I said, okay, what's that look like? He says, oh, I want you to come home. (laughs) And I I want you to live with me. I said, you do? He goes, yeah. And so as the situation worked out, um, I moved home. And um, I said, what are we going to do, dad? He says, we're going to hang out. And so we hung out. You know, I'm thinking I'll be on a one or two year deal here. You know, (laughs) he's 91. And my dad got happy. He he all of a sudden wasn't depressed anymore because my mom was gone. Let's go out to dinner and let's go here and let's go there. And the doggone guy lived another 10 years. (laughs) I said, dad, you ever going to die? He goes, why? You bought in. I go, how long are you going to live? I mean, I haven't, been, I haven't done anything for five years, six years, seven years, eight years. He goes, I'm going to make it to 105 or something. I said, <laughs> you are? <laughs> he said, just hang with me. I said, Dad, I haven't done anything in nine years of surf and work out, <laughs> have dinner with you and stuff. He said, you like it? I said, yeah, you bet, Dad. Love it. Anyway, when he finally died at 101, I had been out of commission. With speaking, with training, with knowing anybody, my kids were the first ones to say, Hey, Dad, you're irrelevant. I mean, you know, I said, I paid a secretary to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. He said, Well, you, you have to do it now. And I don't know how to do it.
0: Secretaries don't, I don't exist your, anymore.
1: All that tech stuff, you know, has, has come in in 10 years. And they said, You know, you're old, Dad. So all the time, um, I'm one of the original Ironmen. When I got out of being a pararescue man, I read this article in Sports Illustrated, and it was about this stupid race that only crazy people show up for in Honolulu, and it wasn't even called an Ironman yet. It was this triathlon thing. And when I read it, I was in college with the GI Bill, and I went, I can do that. So I trained and went over to Honolulu in year three and did Ironman year three with 100 of us when they were still drinking beers and guys were showing up in costumes. And I was the only Air Force guy, and all these Navy guys were around. Anyway, I took a time off and had five kids. My son said at fifty, "Hey, you're old. I mean, you're fifty years old, Dad." So I decided to make a comeback, and I did another ten Ironmans from fifty. Just every year, I just went into an Ironman, and it wasn't a big deal. I just just stay in shape, and a lot of guys who are military veterans, if they haven't let their bodies go, they can do stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, um, in living with my dad. Uh, He said, What are you going to do with your athletics or what are you going to do? Because I'm going to die. And as your kids say, you're irrelevant. And this is what I want to let you know before I die it's that I wanted to stay in the game, but they retired me at 60. And I didn't want to be retired. He was a judge, and the state and the county mandated that he retire at 60. Get your watch, go play golf, and die. And he didn't want to do it. And he said, The real sad part is when you have the most to give, Young people don't want to talk to you because they write you off as old. Mm -hmm. He said, what you need to do is to stay relevant. And if I'd known at 95 that I was going to live 35 years after retirement, I would have started another career. So he said, you need to get a business plan from 60 to 90 and stay relevant lest they write you off as old and you tell old stories. And I thought, okay, now how am I going to do that? And so since I'd stayed athletically inclined and training young people and mentoring and coaching, that kind of thing, I said, I need my entrepreneurial hat to come on. How can I get back in the game of life and be relevant again and, and be in the conversation. I want to be in the conversation, which is I want to train young people, mentor young people. I want to encourage seniors. You choose how you age. And um, just don't want to, I want to be back in the game. So as I mentioned earlier, I, I designed five events, physical endurance events, four of which I'd be the oldest guy to ever attempt them. And of those four, I was told, don't show up. You're too old. My coaches who were training me said, you know, this is really stupid. I mean, I, I, you shouldn't do it. I'll train you, but, dude, you're in over your head. And I'd say, okay. But that's what they said about pararescue, too. You know, They said, don't show up. You'll never make it. <laughs> and so when we graduated – you know, I think we had seven of our original class out of 150 graduate plus rollbacks. We had about 16. You know, I was one of the seven that made it uh, back in my 20s. And I made, they made be team leader. And I knew in my tank that I had the ability if I wanted to really work out, I could I didn't know where I could be in my 60s. But I knew since I'm doing Ironmans, I can stay in this game and probably expand. So entrepreneurially, and I say this for the listeners, I had to bet on myself. And I had to bet on the ability to think creatively and outside the box and figure out how can I do something that demands people call me up again.
0: And you were 63 when you started this.
1: Yeah, right? okay, I was 63. And um, I found that, you know, I could do aerobic or anaerobic kind of things. And, of course, aerobic is like a long-distance runner. Keep your heart at the same rate, long periods of time. In an Ironman, you never spike your heart. You just go all day. But anaerobically, you know, wall balls, stairs, um, burpees and stuff, that's a different kind of a conditioning, body weight stuff. And so I went to a Navy SEAL commander, and I said to him, you have an event that's 50 hours nonstop. And it's run by Navy SEAL instructors. It's a it's a hell week to uh, let young people know who want to become Navy SEALs that if you can you can get through this kind of stuff that we're going to do to you, you can probably make it as a Navy SEAL. Buds, hell week kind of stuff. And I said I want to do that. And he said you're too old. And I said okay, but I want to do that. So I let him train me then for three years. Every morning, either get at four thirty in the morning and then to start my day to at nine and I let them yell at me and scream at me and sandbags and kettlebells in the sand and in and out of the ocean and stuff for three years. And they said, why are you doing this? I said, because I want to get back in the game mm-hmm. and I want to get back in the game to become relevant so I can get back and work with young people instead of being mm-hmm. invisible. And so anyway, it took me some time, but those three years paid off, and I was able to do five major endurance events that I I was able to succeed at. And in an interview on a podcast with Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Games, um, he said, "Owens, oh, you're the fittest and mentally toughest 66 year old in the world." Period. And I said, "Really, Joe?" And he goes, "Yeah. I mean, nobody does what you do. Kids in their 20s can't do it." And I just was thinking, cha ching. It's not probably true, but the point was is that all of a sudden. The phone calls begin to come in and the podcasts begin to come in and the entrepreneuring betting on myself to find a way to win in as the listeners, each of us have our own giftings, you know, whether it's in tech or in, in athletics or in money making or something, that when you get out of the military, no one's gonna say anything but thank you for your service, but that's about it. And you've got to find a way to market your skills in such a way that people say thanks I appreciate what you have. Um, What do you charge? And I want to encourage those guys that are getting ready to transition, or those who have transitioned, that if you're waiting for someone to give you a job, it probably won't happen. But if you can market yourself with your unique skills that you have and fine tune them, however you got to do it, um, and and invest in yourself. You know, you may have to take classes, like when I did the seven marathons in seven days on seven continents as the last of the five things, you know, I had to invest 40,000 in bucks of myself and my wife would say, you're going to spend $40,000 to run seven marathons and sleep on an airplane and just sleep and run and sleep and run. I said, yeah, because if I can pull that off, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a sticker that will open up doors. And she said, "Okay, I don't know." I said, "I know it's a lot of money, honey, but I'm pushing all my chips in Vegas. I'm pushing right here on me that I'm going to do this, and something good's going to happen." Yeah. And sure enough, you know, you—it's hard to be an entrepreneur because there's risk, and there's does your wife buy in, or does do your kids buy in? And for those three years that I trained for those five events, I couldn't live a balanced life. I had to live an unbalanced life for a season. So that when I got done with that season, then I could live a balanced life. But the unbalanced three years paid off. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden the phone comes and you know emails come and I'm on your program today. Only because I had to figure out at 63, wow, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I've got to have a game plan and I've got to embrace risk and I've got to find something that people will say, how'd you do that? Or why'd you do that? And each one of the listeners has something that they can contribute. They just need to know how to market it and have someone coach them or, or help them. And for me, I did, I asked different folks to coach me, you know, in that five years uh-huh. or the five events, different things that works. So uh-huh. I hope that encourages guys out there to think outside the box. Cause, um, you, you're not going to get anything but of an boy, appreciate you for your service. Now, what are you going to do? And if you look, like a cow at a new gate and go, I don't know. Cause you haven't set a game plan. You're going to find yourself just on the streets like everybody else.
0: Absolutely. Well, Hey Robert, that's a great, great stopping point. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. There's lots of ways businesses like to show their appreciation to veterans on veterans day. It's a great day to get free food and see a movie for free, but at Navy federal credit union, every day is veterans day. Navy federal actually show their appreciation by saying thank you in a meaningful way. They're inspired by their members' service they make it their mission to understand the unique needs of veterans and offer the resources, products, and services that will help their members every step of the way. They offer low APR credit cards, market-leading saving rates, and 24-7 customer service and support. They have partnerships with veterans' employment assistance programs and resources like Best Careers After Service and Best Cities After Service. If you're a veteran who would like to join a credit union that puts you and your needs first, visit NavyFederal.org slash veterans or check out hashtag Gratitude Mission, insured by NCUA, value claim based on Navy Federal's 2019 member give back study. All right, we're back talking with uh, Robert Hamilton, Owen, and Robert, right for the break, you were talking about, you know, somebody getting out of the military and transition and having a game plan. Talk to us about, you obviously came up with a game plan at 63 and executed on it. Put a lot of money and bet on yourself and did a lot of things that everybody told you, you couldn't do. So from the perspective of somebody transitioning out of the military that might want to go into entrepreneurship, what kind of advice would you have for them as far as a game plan?
1: You know, it makes me just think, you've got to have a plan in your twenties. got to have a plan in your thirties. got to have a plan for your forties because they're all different. you got to have a new plan for your fifties when your kids are getting out of the house and you got to have a new game plan for sixties and seventies and eighties. So I think many people don't live with a plan. I think they exist and they're hit around like a ping pong ball, bink, a bink, a bink, a bink, and life just happens to them. Mm-hmm. And they don't seize the initiative to make that plan. And so first thing, um, there are military um, organizations that help you to prepare for transition. I spoke at one this last year in Orlando, um, and I forgot the name of it. And they flew in Orlando, you know, and said, "Talk to this group of vets or get ready to transition." Mm-hmm. And um, th- there are organizations that want you to succeed, and people that do care. And I think you need to reach out and find out: is there a difference between the guys that have been successful transitioning and the guys that have been unsuccessful transitioning? Number one. Number two. You've got to hone your skills in that you're not the only guy getting out, and you'll be competing against other guys who have the same technical skills as an officer or enlisted as you. Now, you're unique and special, but so are some of the other guys who are retiring as well. And you've got to say, why does somebody want me more than anybody else? And you may have to go back to school, take classes, get a certificate. You may need to lose weight. You may need to put your, your appearance first. When people look at you, they're impressed with you because you're still standing up straight because you don't have the big fat gut like all the rest of the folks that they're interviewing. You know, there's, there's the outside person, there's the inside person. Um, and for me, people look at me and they say, you're, you sure stand up straight. And I say, well, it's probably military. And they go, really? I go, well, and, but it's also because I do push-ups every day. And when you do push-ups every day, you find yourself standing up straight and people who have poor posture, it seems that they're viewed as they have less self-worth than people who stand up straight. And so the simple things of getting yourself ready to transition where people look at you they look at all this, then they listen to your tone of voice and they look in your eyes and they read your confidence and who you are and what you have to offer or please be nice to me and give me a nice job because I'm a nice guy. And they they don't sense that confidence that comes with being a winner and being an overcomer and embracing the struggle every day to do the good things, the right things. You know, all that comes to play that when you get out, you're going to have to be competing, whether you like it or not, with non-military guys as well as military guys, people with skills. And that may take six months to a year um our pararescue commandant has as just our chief is just retiring and he spent 18 months now getting ready and he's got well, I think three job offers a tech company a construction company and a, a development company but he's worked 18 months to position himself as a master chief mm-hmm. to come out and be recruited and he took classes and things and I talked to him all the time on the phone as he's no longer the commandant down school but You've got to prepare yourself and have a game plan. And if you don't, go someplace where people can help you think through a game plan. And you've got to find something that you're passionate about. It can't just be a job, because everybody will just say, it's just a job. He, he acts like it's a job, he's just happy to have a job. But when they see the excitement in your eyes that you're, you're gonna do something that you really like to do because you have something special to contribute. Like for me, I've always enjoyed training kids. And uh, I, I train athletes, and I train non-athletes. I train, I mentor, like big, uh, big brother, big sister stuff. I, I like the way people spent time with me, and I want to give back and do that with others. What's your passion? And, and if you need to take personality tests to find out what you're gifted and what you're wired for, then take all those battery tests. But, but get a plan of how you want to be seen and who you want to be when you get out because people are going to sense really quickly if it's really you believing it or you're just looking for a job.
0: Yeah. Hey, can you talk a little bit about your book, which uh, you recently came out? um, It's called beyond average.
1: Yeah. It's, it's this book beyond average. And it says um, developing yourself through the 20 X principle and um, the 20 X principle, we work with teams guys. We say there is twenty times more potential in you than you've ever allowed someone to bring out of you, and the point being is that it's really hard to change, and it's really hard to grow. And when I speak to Air Force Special Warfare young men and women, or Navy SEAL candidates, we've never had a Navy SEAL woman yet, never had a Pararescue woman yet, but we still have ladies that are attempting. We say to them. You can do this thing. There is 20 times more potential in you than you know, but you need someone to to bring it out of you and to help you because it's going to involve a lot of pain. It's going to involve physical pain and mental pain and emotional pain and relational pain, maybe some financial pain to, to say no to spending here to spend money just here to get ready to train, focus. And if you'll, If you'll find the right kind of mentor, that mentor who has done what you want to do and has been successful in doing what you want to do, he'll help you find out why other people have failed at what you're attempting and why other people have succeeded. And we tell them, we need to crush you, and we need to crush you so you get used to being miserable, becoming comfortable with being miserable, Because everything that you dream for is outside your comfortability. And so when I was doing SEAL FITs 50-hour nonstop um, hell week with Navy SEAL instructors at 66 years old on my birthday, you know, they looked at me and they said, Owens, we're going to crush you. And I just looked at them back. And at the very end, they said to me, we knew that we weren't going to crush you. And I said, why? They said, because you're a PJ. And PJs never quit. And we knew inside of you from your 20s, you'd been trained you'd rather die than leave your man behind. You'd, you'd rather die than quit. So we just wanted to know how, how much we could crush you knowing that you'd rather pass out and die than say uncle and quit. And we wanted to watch. And when, you, when you've had that kind of thing developed in you, You can't do that on your own. You need instructors, coaches to look you in the eye and say, breathe, you know, you can do this. Think it through, dial down. And most kids don't want to be pressed that much to get into their dream. And they they have their why get questioned so easily when things go sideways. Mm -hmm. So um, the book was written on. I want young people and people to do the things that they dream about, but they're going to have to have somebody to help them, guide them through. There's a book out called How Bad Do You Want It? by Matt Fitzgerald. Matt Fitzgerald is a triathlete and Sports Illustrated multiple author and and writer magazine. And the thesis is two things. One, there is a different chemical released in your brain with mental pain than physical pain two different chemicals Mm -hmm. and the mind quits before the body. But the second thing is it's a story of all these tour de France guys or, um, Olympians or triathletes who have gone to the pinnacle and failed. And what did they do when they failed? They went and hired a coach to take them back into that failure over and over and over to make that pain their friend. And then when they came back and did it the next time, next Olympics, next Tour de France, they won because they went back and hit that wall over and over where they had collapsed before. And it took a coach who knew how to take that young person into that zone and then teach them how to win. And many people do not want to face that pain over and over again and make it their friend, be miserable, find out. It doesn't have to be a deal breaker. doesn't have to kill them, but it's just uncomfortable. And when I speak to audiences and groups and stuff, I remind all of them at any age, me at 60, now I'm 69, um, 20 year olds to 69 year olds, there is 20 times more potential in you than you've ever allowed someone to bring out of you because usually laziness and excuses and not wanting to have pain and be dis- uncomfortable, be discomforted, is stronger than your why. Whether it's being an entrepreneur, starting something else, or training people. And I love to encourage people that they can do it, and they can make it. But they just need to count the cost, but they can do it. Can you, and, you explain uh, the, uh, I,
0: I, like, like the psychological, can you shed any light on the psychological concept of having a coach, or the psychological concept of having a mentor? Because like some of these Tour de France guys, they were already disciplined athletes to get to that level anyways, and they failed at the pinnacle. They're obviously so so self disciplined. Anyways, what is doing a what is having a coach do for them? And obviously, anybody that's played sports has had coaches, and we get the basic concept of a coach. But today, you hear a lot about life coaches, and uh, I would encourage anybody that's looking to get out of the military or even gotten out recently, if you don't have a coach or a mentor, then you're not coming anywhere close to that twenty x. Um, and and, you can that, can, can anybody get any of that 20 X out of themselves just by doing it themselves versus having a coach and having a mentor challenge them and
1: force it out of them? The bigger the goal, the higher is the higher the cost. And so you cannot do great things unless you hang around great people. And I would encourage you, if you're going to get a life coach, make sure that life coach knows what you're attempting to do and can relate to it and give you advice and insights that just a normal life coach with just it principles couldn't give you. So, if we say, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, get around a Navy SEAL guy and have him walk you through what it's going to take, or if you want to be a PJ, you want to be a ranger, you want to be a Marine or or you want to be recon or a raider, you know, find an expert that can help you understand it is what you're going to tackle. Don't go in naive. And so many people start a business, naive, they get out of the military naive, you know, they just think things are going to work out, but the higher the goal, the more you need an expert and humility on your part to say to someone, What questions should I ask you that I don't even know how to ask you? It's not my brain. I mean, I need to walk in humility. And the way that I did these next five or those last five is I went and asked for a lot of help. I said to younger guys, show me what you're doing. Show me how you do this. You know, show me about your log PT. Show me about, you know, burpee repeats and show me about your running technique. I'm not a runner. How Mm -hmm. do I run seven marathons? I'm not a runner. I can run. I'm not a runner. Yeah. And I had to go humble myself and ask guys that were really good. Uh, just a thought. I had five kids, half five kids. I, I did. I didn't know how to raise five kids. So I went to a, a guy and I said, your kids are really smart and gifted and you're really good at money. What do you teach your kids? And he said this, he said, have coffee with, with me once a week and I'll help you raise your kids financially. And I went, Hey, Thanks. And he said, you can help me with my physical stuff. And so I said, thanks. This one guy had a really good marriage. And I went to him and I said, your marriage is better than mine. What's the key? How come you and your wife are so together and I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And he goes, oh, do this, this, and this. And maybe your marriage will get better. And so I went and found mentors in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s to say, how do I do this? And they were kind enough because I was honest and humble enough to say, oh, just do this, dude. (laughs) Things will work out. And I've followed them. And, and, you know, I've learned how to ask and and find mentors.
0: So you're very good at asking for help. Let me ask you a question. You've been a professional speaker and, and, and coach and all that. and So not necessarily on a professional level, but how often have you had people come to you personally and say, would you teach me? Would you show me how to do that? Would you teach me?
1: You know, here's a really interesting thing. We spend all kinds of time acquiring knowledge. Like Robert Kawasaki in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Love you it. know, the, the dad with the high school education was multimillionaire, and mm-hmm. the guy with the PhD was broke in credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Because you think that knowledge is the answer, but knowledge isn't the answer. The, the answer is wisdom. And nobody has ever come to me and said, hey, Robert, I want wisdom. Can you help me with some wisdom? They'll say, how do I pay my bills? Or how do I do this? Or how do I do that? They want the quick fix like I have wanted the quick fix in my life versus give me the big picture of what wisdom would look like Mm -hmm. to organize, to strategize the next 10 years, next 15 years, my kids, you know, all that kind of stuff, grandkids. And um, most men are not humble. Most men act like they have it all together, fake it till you make it. And oftentimes they don't make it because they faked it and it just crumbles Sometimes time with pressure. Um, and it, it takes, it takes a confidence to go out and ask for help and ask to be mentored and, and acknowledge that you don't know what you don't know. And I've been fortunate that that was a way my father told me, son, in your twenties, you're screwed up. You need to go ask for help.
2: Mm-hmm. I joined the military.
1: You know, I needed so much help. I joined the military thirties. <laughs> I need to ask. My dad said, if you don't know what to do, go ask somebody. And so I went and asked. And then my forties, I was still asking fifties still asking. And one of the questions I get asked a lot on podcasts is how much humility should a, should a man have meaning do you, are you always humble or do you ever act like you have it together? And, um, Here's what I I know. If you take a coin, heads, tails, right? When I see a man with tremendous bling, chains, cars, chicks, always new hairdos, you know, all the stuff, trying to be something on the outside, the depth of the need to be noticed and affirmed on the outside is the depth of the insecurity on the inside. So when LeBron James came into the league with his posse, he had a, he had all that crap at 18 to 20-something years old. And little by little, as he grew up, he became like Kobe, who never had a posse. And Kobe was raised by his dad in Italy, you know, and had that thing. Kobe knew who he was. He didn't need a posse around him. Mm-hmm. But when you're insecure, you need people telling you how great you are, whether it's yeah. sitting on a bar stool or looking good. I have a lot of men come to me and I say, you're a bodybuilder. And they go, yeah. I said, stud. I mean, you worked hard on that thing. Yeah. Why? I like it. I go, no, why? And they find when I drill down, they go because of poor self-worth because I didn't think I was much of a man. So I had to put on a bunch of muscles mm. so that I acted like a man and people looked at me different, but inside it was a cover up for the insecurity inside. And so when I see that, that overarching, look at all my stuff, my Lamborghini and my earrings and all the crap, you know, everybody can do their own thing, but I know that there's usually an insecurity inside that they're trying to cover. Mm -hmm. And you can't, if you, if you haven't dealt with where you've come from and who you are, it's really hard to go forward with what you're going to do because you're carrying all that baggage and all of us have baggage. There's no perfect people. We've all had failures. We've all made mistakes. We're all insecure. But if you can come to a place and acknowledge it and go to a mentor and say, I want to change. I want to grow up like Goggins, you know, if you know, Goggins is out there having 2 million followers because he said I was screwed up. Not that many people want to say I'm screwed up, but he said so found some good people around him and they added bits and pieces to his life. And you look at him today with 2 million people trying to change their lives because of his book and his example, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can finally work through your stuff, like for me, I started drinking heavy in eighth grade mm. and I didn't really know why, but I do know that I was sexually abused twice by eighth grade. And when I went to my folks and said, you know, I, I just fought my way out of a boy scout tent. Guys want me to do stuff, you know, and blah, blah, blah. They leave it to beaver days. They didn't know what to do. They knew all the families. Mm. They didn't know what to say. And my dad said, boys will be boys. And I just started drinking. Mm. And um, I had, I was a special needs kid. I had um, bowed in feet. I wore corrective shoes and I couldn't run until sixth grade. And I played tetherball, that stupid thing, hit the ball around the stick, you know, with a pole, because all the other kids were playing. And I remember one time, you know, they said to me, uh, who wants to play? I I, I want to wear tennis shoes on a Friday. who wants to play tether or kickball? So we lined up, and they chose sides and the teacher said, um, Robert, you go with them. And I remember the kid in sixth grade goes, do we have to take him? <laughs> and I remember the rejection of, Oh my God. I remember when a kid, in the street one time when I was young said, did you know you're a mistake? Cause I'm adopted. And it, I was in third grade and I remember wearing the street. I remember what he was wearing. We were friends all through high school. And he just said to me, you know, you're a mistake. Mm. I went, am I? He goes, yeah, you're a mistake. And I went home and I said to my mom, Hey, am I a mistake being adopted? And my mom got really mad because he knew her, his mother really well and dad. And she said, you go tell him we chose you. His parents got stuck with him. And so I went down the street and said, Hey, Terry, guess what? My parents chose me. Your parents got stuck with you. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, uh-uh. I said, uh-huh. And he ran home. (laughs) And I remember, you know, I got issues. I don't know how many men have issues, but I've had issues, adoption and special needs kid, and blah, 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 and the sexual abuse stuff. So I'm climbing myself out of a hole in life and I don't know how to do that. Matter of fact, I dodged a draft for Vietnam. I dodged draft and got out with a one Y. I walked Wilshire Boulevard in LA and guys were dropping their pants trying to get arrested for being perverts, and guys were shooting their toes off and getting girls pregnant. And I remember taking my toothbrush and walking down Wilshire Boulevard going, I'm going to Nom. And there was four of us. And I was was, uh, 18 years old, right out of high school, because I wasn't in college. So they went, you're going in. And I remember when I got in, you know, I, I took this elbow. I had a water polo injury. And I smashed it into a concrete wall for three months. I just made sure the surgery I had on my elbow became needing for surgery again. And so I did that. When I finally got on Wilshire Boulevard, I went in, I said, my arm screwed up. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no, no, it doesn't work. I showed them, they go, get in there. I took an x-ray and it didn't work. And Mm. I said, I'm out. I get to go get drunk tonight. And the four of us who went in, two of us got our way out and the other two were dead within a year of Vietnam. Mm. And so I said, ha ha. And then when I want to change my life, my dad said, you're a punk. You've you've gone to jail. you wrecked three cars. You're drinking. What's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. And that's when my pararescue friends I lifeguard the beach with said, you know, you need to change. You need to come be a PJ. And I said, I don't have the self-worth, me being a PJ. I don't have the goods to be a special ops guy. And they said to me, if you focus, no chicks, no dating, no drinking. No smoking weed. If you'll focus for six months and do what we say, you are PJ material. And I said, really? And I didn't have faith in me. I had faith in their faith in me. And they coached me every week. That's not enough. Do more of this. Do more of that. And when I got in, as I said, I was one of the seven that graduated and then made me team leader. And no one knew that I was a special needs kid that couldn't run. You know, was never good at anything. Uh, but there was something within me that was beyond average, and there was twenty times more potential in me. But I've never never let anybody bring it out of me. Mm. And all of a sudden, boom! I blossomed. But I learned to ask questions. I learned to walk in humility and say, "How do I do this? Or where do I go? Who can I? Who can mentor me?" And if men haven't learned to humble themselves at the right time, they'll continue to crash and burn and not want people to think that they don't know stuff, but they don't, it becomes obvious because they can't pay their bills, or they go through their third wife, or their kids don't like them, or, you know, there's just stuff. And I encourage men, when, when I'm with Mark Devine, who founded Seal for the Navy Seal, SEAL Commander, I was doing this podcast in Dodger Stadium, and he said the toughest thing we have is we have our Navy SEAL guys with PTSD who will not ask for help. But the strong guys know how to ask for help. It's the weak guys who don't know how to ask for help because it's too psychologically demeaning to them yeah. to let anybody know that they're hurting inside.
2: Right.
1: And so we're looking for guys that will ask for help, but it's hard for men to let down their macho guard and say, I really need help. I need to grow in this area, this area, this area. And that's why we coach and we mentor and stuff and say, you know, after the third beer, tell me the truth. And then, then they open up, you know, and say, yeah. well, you know, I say, you can make it. You can do this thing. So anyway, I, my life is men who have spoken into my life who have encouraged me when I didn't know what I was doing. And I wouldn't have done anything and would not be working in, in mentoring and coaching and speaking today if it wasn't for guys giving deposit into my life and things my dad couldn't do for me. So I encourage the guys as they get ready to transition or they get ready to do whatever is new, ask for help. And um, find good guys that have done and that are experts done what you want to do. And they're experts, not some guy that's a wannabe who's written a book. We just going to tell you some stuff and tell you, he knows what he's doing, but he's never done it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I haven't talked too much.
0: Wow. You know, Robert, we are out of time. Um, usually I ask, you know, for, for your last bit of advice or what thoughts come to, yeah. come to mind, but you just summed it up right there, you know, ask for help, ask for advice. Anytime you're going into a new venture, whether it's getting out of the military, going into entrepreneurship, even, Correct. even just getting, you know, looking for a new job, get people to help you. And you got to ask. Yeah,
1: good, good, good advice. And if the guys want to write me, you know, just have them go to my website, uh, roberthamiltonowens.com And uh, I get emails and, you know, communication. I did a, I did a podcast with a guy in Australia and I got uh, information from 27 nations. Huh. You know, what do you do? How'd you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And I always start off, I was screwed up but I found a way out, you know,
0: <clears throat> That's awesome. Everybody can relate. Awesome. All right, Robert. Well, great podcast. Appreciate you sharing your personal story and uh, some definite sage advice for anybody uh, getting out or already ha- getting out of the military.
1: All right. I, I wish everyone well. And I would ask the listener to do this, please um, write Joe an email and tell him what he got out of this interviewer, this podcast. So he'll know about other things to ask and bring on for you, the listener. He's trying to do his best to help you. So write Joe and tell him the pros and cons of this interview.
0: You bet. Appreciate that. Yeah. My email, by the way, Joe, J-O-E at com. if you didn't know. All right, Robert. Good. All right. Sounds great. We're out. These two veterans, okay. Oscar Mike. yeah. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.